Hi, and welcome to the Carnivore Stories podcast with me, Alyssa Grubner. The carnivore way of eating has completely transformed my life. And it's stories just like the ones you'll hear on this podcast that kept me going strong every step of the way. I hope you're ready to hear an inspirational carnivore story. I know I am. So let's get into it. All right. This is episode 10 of the Carnivore Stories podcast. And today I have the privilege of interviewing Michelle Hearn. She is a registered dietitian, an ultra runner, and the author of The Dietitian's Dilemma. This is a great book. You can find it on Amazon. You can find Michelle on Instagram at run, eat, meet, repeat. And she's on Twitter at Michelle Hearn RD. Thank you so, so much for meeting with me today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's get right into it. Tell everyone about your background before coming to carnivore, the way you eat now, your lifestyle and your background. Yeah. So, you know, my health story really begins when I was um, 12 years old, you know, I was diagnosed with anorexia. I was about five feet tall and uh, 57 and a half pounds. So very, very um, kind of a dire situation, Um, heart failing, kidneys failing, ended up going to inpatient treatment, Um, you know, immediately put on a 24 hour tube feeding system. And at that point, you know, during treatment, I did become weight restored. But I was just told, you know, you're probably going to deal with this your whole life. You're going to have racing thoughts around food. You're going to deal with anxiety. And so I just figured like, oh, no, I'm going to have to become this like high functioning person with an eating disorder. And, you know, I did went through high school and college. Um, I started running in high school. And but I always, you know, struggled with food. I struggled with anxiety. And I thought if I could become a dietitian, maybe I could learn more about food. And I knew it was important. I knew it was powerful. You know, obviously, it saved my life. Um, but, <laughs> but when I got into the dietetic internship, you know, there were just things that didn't make sense. And like, for example, you know, I would be with my, my teacher, my preceptor, and we would go into a room with somebody with type two diabetes and she would say, okay, we're going to teach them, you know, to eat carbohydrates throughout the day, like 75 grams of breakfast, 75 at lunch, 75 at dinner. And I would just ask questions. I'd be like, actually, isn't their blood sugar high? Shouldn't we encourage them to eat less carbohydrates? Oh, no, no, no. Everybody needs carbohydrates. You know, traditional dietitians were taught that, you know, you must every single disease state, whether it's kidney failure, heart disease, you need all these quote unquote, healthy whole grains, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables, but you're new, right? You're a student. (laughs) So, um, and then I remember when we went to the ICU and, you know, I just flipped over the tube feeding and I was like, oh my gosh, these are the same ingredients that I was fed as a 12 year old, you know, the number one ingredients for two feeding formulas. Like if you have a loved one in a car accident, maybe has a small bowel obstruction that needs to be tube fed. The ingredients are, you know, corn syrup, maltodextrin, uh, canola oil, and soy protein. So, you know, and I, Mm -hmm. like I said, I would just ask like, you know, is this the best way to feed somebody who's (laughs) been in a traumatic car accident or has cancer? And I was just told like, it's all about calories, calories in, calories out, getting enough protein, doesn't matter where it comes from. And so, you know, unfortunately, when I became a dietitian, I just, I kind of saw like a revolving door sickness, you know, patients would come in with type two diabetes Mm -hmm. a few months later, 
it's worse. They have a wound that's not healing. Their teeth are rotting. They're, um, you know, starting to have dementia, going kidney failure. And it starts to kind of break you, you know, you start to think like, is this, this is what I signed up for? Like giving this advice, nobody's really getting better. And then in the hospital setting, we're often told that, you know, it's not the guidelines that are the problem. It's the fact that the patients aren't actually following them. It's the patient's fault. If they would just eat less, they just eat too much and they don't exercise enough. And <clears throat> they would just eat more fruits and vegetables. And, you know, it's, it's hard because you, you know, when, especially when you're young, you're like, okay, well, it must be their fault. You know, it's not our fault. And then you, you add that on top of the system, you know, as a dietitian, I would often have this huge load of patients that you have to see and you have a small window of time, you know? Um, and then every single person you're going to see, you have to chart on. And so it's just, it's a big mess. <laughs> so that was kind of like my mm. introduction to just the kind of the world of dietetics, but at the same time, I was, um, training. I, it was my goal to qualify for the Olympic trials and the marathon. And I wanted to run under two hours and 48 minutes. And at that time I'd run my fastest had been two hours and uh, 54 minutes. And so I was following a high carbohydrate diet because I was sure that was the best way to fuel my running, you know, and it just all the course. Yeah, exactly. Cause I mean, that's what you're told. You, you know, I mean, certainly every runner must have to have all these carbohydrates, and so, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I was, um, training really hard and all of a sudden my body just stopped recovering. Well, you know, I noticed that runs that used to feel easy. My legs felt like lead. I was getting really, really cold sweats. And at the same time, um, my anxiety got worse. You know, I started to have like panic attacks, which I hadn't had in years. And so, you know, of course re I reached out to a few dietitians. I went to see my family doctor and nothing was wrong. All my blood tests came back fine. Um, and all my dietitian friends just said like, oh, you must, you must need to eat more carbohydrates, you know? And at that time I was eating 350 to 400, um, grams of carbohydrates a day. And, um, you know, so <laughs> I was like, okay, you want me to eat more carbohydrates? All right. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, but I was all in, you know, I was like, let's do this. I, that's what I need to do. That's what I'm going to do. And as you can imagine, like things went from bad to like worse, like I was getting cold sweats and then kind of the, like, come to Jesus moment was, um, you know, I was literally, you know, wasn't able to run cause I was getting those cold sweats. I went to the hospital to work and we just had a difficult patient day I had a patient pass away that I had been seeing, came home, fell asleep on the couch and then woke up at like two in the morning and it just felt like my body was on fire. Like everything hurt, my muscles hurt, I had a headache. And I just had this moment where I just stood there and I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm out of ideas. You know, I'd take over, you know, I'd take in over the counter pain relievers, I'd take stronger stuff, I tried alcohol, I tried all kinds of stuff. And so standing there in the kitchen at two in the morning, I'm like, all right, I gotta get some ice. So I drove to the local gas station and got 30 pounds of ice, put it in the bathtub. And so I'm just sitting in this ice bath trying to like cool my body off. And I'm crying. And that's when my wife came in and was just like, Hey, you know what? Maybe it's time to do something different. And I was just like, yes, that's it. I'm done. I'm not going to run anymore. Like, and I just thought like my body shot, like I'm too old. I was 36 at the time. Um, and I remember thinking like, you know what, if I'm not going to run, why don't I lower my carbon take? Like I, I intuitively knew 
And, you know, obviously hindsight is 20 and 20, but I intuitively knew that carbohydrates did not make me feel good. But I was just told like, oh, you have to have them. You know, I was afraid I'd run out of energy and um, certainly as an athlete. And so I decided I would follow a ketogenic diet. That was my goal. I was like, you know what? If I go ketogenic, um, it'll be very low carb. And as I was researching ketogenic diets, I stumbled on the carnivore diet. <laughs> and like many people, you know, I remember thinking like, oh, well, like I can get behind meat. <laughs> you know, I grew up in Texas. We ate meat growing up. And but I was like, all meat? Like, that seems very odd. <laughs> um, but this is what I would encourage anybody to do. You know, I think sometimes we'll see something and we'll just, ah, that's stupid. But I, I saw people online and I was like, they look really healthy and happy. I'm not healthy and happy. And so, you know, I reached out. I reached out to a couple of people, carnivore yogi, Sarah Kleiner, um, a day Fox, um, the blah, the blah carnivore, and just asked a few basic questions said, Hey, you know what? I'm struggling. Like you're happy. I'm not happy. And they were both great. They were both very generous with, you know, just giving me some basic, what they do, their story. And so I remember getting excited. Okay. I told my wife, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try carnivore for 30 days. And she was not having it. She was like, no, this is eating disorder. This will only set you back. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I understand that mentality, right? I get it because, you know, we have this kind of uh, thing in society where you can't ask somebody who's had a disordered relationship with food to eliminate certain food groups. Um, and so, but when we'll get to that, but I, I just, I, don't, I can't even tell you why exactly, but I just felt intuitively like, I want to give this a try, you know? <laughs> and it was funny, you know, we, my wife and I thought about that. She was like, all right, you're going to quit. This is not going to work. And in the first week was hard. You know, I was going from very high carbohydrate diet to a almost zero, you know, carbohydrates. And knowing what I know now, I think the transition could have been easier. I wasn't taking electrolytes. I wasn't using a lot of salt, had terrible headaches. But after that first week, mm. you know, I noticed that I, I no longer, um, my body didn't hurt. And I just kind of thought like, well, you know what? I'm not running at all anymore. That, that must be why. But then I also noticed like, I wasn't really hungry throughout the day. Like I felt much more satiated and calm. And then kind of the really big moment was, it was about the third week I came home from work and my wife was like literally just sitting on the couch waiting for me. And she's like, I need to talk to you. <laughs> the, oh no. Like what I do, you know, like, okay. And she said, yeah, I got it. I got to tell you, like, I don't know if I like this way of eating yet. She said, but this is the best your anxiety has been in the 11 years that I've known you within three weeks. And so we both just kind of like stared at each other and we're like, we have to figure this out. Like if this is real and this is true, then we've got, cause we're both science-minded people. Like she's a scientist, you know? And so I, at the time worked at a hospital. So I had access to clinical trials and that is probably the first time I, in my diet had had a career that I became very angry because I kept going through trial mm -hmm. after trial, after trial of specifically diabetes and low carb. I'm like, we have all this evidence. Nobody taught me about why are we giving two diabetics carbs? And of course, you know, naively, I thought I'll, I'll print all this out. I'll write a summary. I'll go to our you know clinical director and I'll change the hospital system. You know, I, I originally thought that I could take my newfound knowledge and I could advocate for low carb. But of course I was, you know, immediately told like, you're not going to be able to practice that here. So crazy stuff. Wow. Wow. So 
are you still working in that type of setting or have you started like an independent practice? Yeah. So it's kind of a, kind of crazy, you know, I, I, at that time, I had just started working at a, a new place in Portland and I was actually supposed to get my entire own floor. And that was supposed to happen, um, April of 2020. Well, then March of 2020 rolls around and we start hearing about this thing called the COVID-19 pandemic. That's, and obviously all of a sudden we had no elective <laughs> surgeries. I lost all my hours. I was put into the employee call center. Oh, don't worry, Michelle. You know, we don't have any patients for you to see, but we're not, we're going to keep you on staff. You're just going to be in the call center. Like, okay, well, what is that? Well, for eight hours a day, your, your patients on heart healthy diets and diabetic diets are going to call in and order chocolate cake and pasta and rice. And you don't do any nutrition counseling. You just enter it in the computer. (laughs) And I was just like, this is killing my soul. Um, and so at that point, you know, I decided that I, I would no longer be in the hospital. The minute I could leave, I was going to leave, you know, and I would I have people reach out to me often and say like, what do I do? I'm in this situation. Um, you know, for, for me at that point, it wasn't financially feasible to leave, but I was like, as soon as I can, I'm mm-hmm. out of here. So every free moment I had, though, you know, I started writing. I started writing the book, you know, The Dietitian's Dilemma, because I started looking at the evidence, you know, because as a dietitian, we're just taught like, oh, you can't reverse type two diabetes or, oh, sarcopenia. Everybody that gets older just has muscle wasting. And the more, you know, I saw cases, I saw anecdotal cases of these people that had these diseases that were reversing them. And then I saw evidence. I actually saw clinical trials. And now, you know, we have several, we did, they just came out with a a study with people with major um, bipolar disorder, depression, um, 43% of people went into remission on a ketogenic diet, you know? So it's just like all these things that I had seen that I was just told, like, you know, we heavily medicate people and we just feed them the standard American diet. And, oh, they're not getting better. I, um, I wanted to, I wanted to get the conversation going. You know, I wanted people to understand how powerful the human body is when it comes to healing the human's body, the human body's capacity to heal is greater than anyone has allowed us to believe. It is phenomenal. But in order to do that, we have to start feeding it in a certain way. We have to start eating certain foods and we really have to start removing certain foods. If we started there, I mean, Mm -hmm. our world would change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember when I was thinking about going carnivore And my husband was like, well, Alyssa, you're just, you're coming from one really restrictive diet, which I was on a very restrictive diet, you know, counting every little thing I was putting in my mouth and, (laughs) um, you know, and just miserable doing that. And he was thinking, you know, carnivore was going to, I was just going to be, oh, I want cake and cookies and I can't have it because I'm just eating meat. Um, But it's been completely the opposite. I don't want those things. I don't think about them. And especially, you know, seeing the health benefits that comes from eating this way, you know, it's, it's a whole new world. It's, it, it's restrictive in that you're eliminating some things, but you're eliminating, eliminating the things that you don't need that are making you sick. Yes. I mean, in my opinion, food should be something that you eat and then you move on. You know, we have created a society where if you don't eat sugars and pastas and cakes, like you have a problem, what's wrong with you? You're missing Mm -hmm. out on life, you know, but like what has been given back to me in my life 
since I really have changed how I have eaten is amazing. You know, I could not run. I was anxious. I was hurting. I was sure with my partner. I was depressed, you know, Mm -hmm. and now my life is full of joy. I was able to start running again to the point that I could run ultra marathons. Like I no longer run 26 miles. My last race was 62 miles. You know, I'm able to run and compete and uh, at a high level, you know? And so for me, by starting, you know, I did a full 30 days of the carnivore, I mean, just meat and fat. Um, and like, I also feel like it kind of healed a lot of those obsessive thoughts because for the first time I was providing my brain with enough saturated fat and enough, you know, not only people think meat is just protein. It's like, no, it's so much more. It's Mm -hmm. one of the most, um, bioavailable foods, meaning your body can actually use and absorb it. It has tons of B12 and folic acid and, um, carnitine, taurine, all these different things that your body needs to function properly. Right. So for me, that was very powerful. And then certainly, um, you know, as a long distance runner, I do now consume some carbohydrates, but they're a relatively small part of my overall diet. Right. So I feel, and you know, when I, and I do, I counsel people now that I do one-on-one consults, most people who are metabolically healthy, um, are able to tolerate small amounts of carbohydrates, but we know we just had a study about 7% of the U S is metabolically healthy. <laughs> so most mm-hmm. people are not, most people have, you know, pre-diabetes type two diabetes, kidney failure, high blood pressure. And so when you just take a step back and you're able to, um, you know, fuel your body in a way that not only balances blood sugar, but you're also flooding your body with all the things, all the vitamins and minerals it needs, it can finally heal. Absolutely. Okay. So as an ultra runner, what all do you include in your diet? And you said there's some carbohydrates. Yeah. What are you eating? <laughs> I eat a lot of beef. It's kind of funny. I feel like any, we, uh, we get, usually we get a cow share, um, or often you'll go to the farmer's market and just load up. There's a, uh, Windy Rivers farm. <laughs> we were, we're on a first name basis, me and Will. Um, so I, most days I consume between a you know, pound and a half to two pounds of ground beef a day. Um, but you know, certainly around usually after I run, and then in the evenings, I'll have between 50 and hundred grams of carbohydrates total. And so my carbohydrates, and I always tell people like, you know, athletes or people who are including carbohydrates in your diet, like I encourage you to like, make it something you enjoy and something your system tolerates, you know, like, and that's, and that's a, a little bit unique, you know, for example, like my wife, um, is very sensitive to nightshades, like no potatoes, no peppers or whatever, where somebody else might eat those and be totally fine. But for me personally, um, you know, I use, uh, especially like right now, you know, I live in the Pacific Northwest. So like berries are really big in the summer. So I'll do some blueberries, some strawberries. Um, also do, we do a long fermented sourdough bread, which I find is really good for me just too, because it's very compact. You know, if I'm going to try to get hundred grams mm-hmm. of carbs, I would, I don't really want to have like five or six cups of berries. I don't know how my GI system would do with that. Um, yeah. So those are probably, are the you making the bread yourself? We do. <laughs> it's quite the process. It okay. Like, that yeah. Is... yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's super cool. I, uh, a few years ago, I got really into sourdough and, and I was making a lot of that. And then I let my, um, 
my I I named her Gertie. I let her die. Oh, Gertie, so. <laughs> your starter died. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but my my daughter, she's been getting interested in it, and I and so I said, well, maybe we can do that as a school project because she's homeschooled, so that that might be a cool thing for her to learn. Yeah, you know, I found too that the more you're involved with your food, like the more it 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 just feels very good. And for someone like myself that had a history of an eating disorder it's been very healing to like when we bought, um, you know, a cow share, we'd get tons of different pieces. And there were some cuts that were really big, um, that were tougher. So I would, you know, we have a small grinder we got on Amazon, I would cut them up and I would add fat. And I'm like, you know, I felt much more connected to my food where I feel like as a society, we're really not like most people have never seen <laughs> a cow be butchered, have never hunted, have never fished, have never gardened. Mm-hmm. And those are very powerful things to do. And if you, are not able to do any of those things. Like maybe, you know, if you are able to support the people who do, like if you can purchase things from a farmer's market or a local gardener, I think that those are really good ways to one, not only ensure you're getting probably a higher quality, you know, <laughs> less GMO, whatever foods, mm-hmm. but also I just found yeah. for me, it's just, you, you, it just feels really good. There's something, um, I don't want to say spiritual about it, but it just feels like you're kind of connecting with your food. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Circling back around to running just a little bit. I want to know what's it like when you're doing one of these super long races? <laughs> um, I, cause I, I'm not really familiar or I'm a little bit familiar with the running world. I know that people will use like, um, goose to keep them going or applesauce, or they might have stations along the race what are, do you, do you bring anything along with you or are you, what are you eating while you're running all these miles? No, that's a great question (laughs) because, you know, whether you're a high carbohydrate or low carbohydrate athlete, like the goal is always to defend muscle glycogen because, you know, what that means is, you know, we don't run out of stored body fat. Like even super lean people like the, you know, five, 6% lean Kenyan runners have up to a hundred thousand calories of body fat what we run out of is stored carbohydrates because, you know, the faster you go, the more you're kind of like, you know, riding that line, you're going to burn through your muscle glycogen. So the goal for me as a low carbohydrate athlete, I want to teach my body to be able to burn as much fat for fuel, even at faster paces. Because if you're a very high carbohydrate athlete, for example, you might be burning 70 to 80% carbohydrate at race pace. Where for me, I might be burning only 30% carbohydrate. So we both are going to make sure we're replenishing carbohydrate, but guess what? I need to eat a lot less carbs than you. <laughs> and why is that mm-hmm. at, at potentially advantageous? Because if I'm running my last race took uh, 10 hours. So if you're going to have to eat three or four gels every hour, you're, you know, there, there was a study that about 60% of people in ultra races dropped out due to GI issues. Like just, they can't, their bodies can't handle that much sugar. And so, you know, my goal is always like, I want to be able to give my body enough carbohydrates, but never so much that you're just, your, you know, your gut goes nuts. And so, yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, that I always just like anything else that can be very individual. You know, I've coached people who say, yeah, I do one gel an hour and I'm totally good. Like, awesome. You know, some people will just do whole foods, whether that's like you said, applesauce. Um, I have used, there's a company that I've done some work with called S fuels and it is just like a cyclic dextrin. So just a carbohydrate with some electrolytes. 
I've used that. Um, I tend to use some type of liquid and some type of solid. I've used rice. Um, and that seems to settle pretty well in my stomach. My first race, I used a little bit of the sourdough. Uh, but yeah, I found that I'm pretty good with about 20 to 25 grams of carbohydrates an hour, um, which is on certainly on the lower side for most endurance athletes. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, they can go up to 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrates an hour. Um, yeah. And I, <laughs> I, and that also makes it easier for me to keep going. You know, if I'm trying to win these races, I'm not, I'm not camping at the aid stations. <laughs> you know, and, and that's not saying, I mean, some people, if you're, if you're running an ultra, you're an amazing person. But I, I remember my first ultra, I just coming from the marathon world where nobody stops at all. It was surprising to see people just like sitting at the aid station, having a sandwich, hanging out. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so my goal is always to be able to, you know, if you hit an aid station, you might be switching out your water bottle electrolyte and go. So, so yeah. So okay. rice, um, S fields, what else have I used? Those are the kind of the main, and there's some sourdough, it, but yeah, I mean, it, like I said, there's no like magic carbohydrate. It's really just like figuring out about how many grams per hour you need and then getting your stomach used to that. Cool. So after the, you pass the finish line and you're like, yes, I just did that. What are you splurging on? What is your carnivore <laughs> meat-based splurge that you are going after, after that big race? Yeah. You know, ironically, usually after a big race, after every single race, that, that is, that is way more carbohydrates than I would ever have in a single day. Right. Like you're, cause you're having, yeah. you know, 25 per hour. And, um, my last week's race was a little rough just cause the, the conditions were pretty bad. And so normally you just feel awful. So it's just like kind of getting home, getting some fluid or maybe get a scoop or whey protein mm. or something and you're crashing. <laughs> so it's, it's all the ultimate irony, you know, you've just burned God knows how many calories and you just, you can barely stomach anything. Um, but after that, you know, give yourself a day or whatever, you know, I, uh, I generally, we like to go out and like celebrate. So, um, you know, we'll go get a nice, uh, nice ribeye or, um, after my second race, we went oh, yeah. to the tomahawk, we, my wife and I split it. So that was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, it's usually something awesome. like a special steak We're we're, that's usually our, um, kind of go-to celebration is any type of steak. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> lots, lots of carnivores. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you incorporate organs? I do. And I do think, you know, people go back and forth, whether those are important or not. Um, for me, for someone who's, is causing as much micro trauma as I am. And what I mean by that is just, you know, every time you're hit with running, you're causing just a little bit of trauma. Um, I, I have been a little bit concerned about iron. You know, I've had, I, I was actually severely mm -hmm. anemic, um, through most of my, uh, low or high carb days. <laughs> and now I understand potentially more, you know, I actually had to have IVs at one point. Um, but I didn't know, like nobody ever taught me. And when I was a dietitian that, you know, excuse me, fiber and phytic acid can actually bind to iron. And, you know, I was eating so much oats, you know, high sources of phytic acid and, you know, whole grains, all this fiber and stuff. So, you know, I've done two things in my life. I've removed a lot of that phytic acid and fiber and then I eat, um, liver, you know, liver is one of those things that's, it's very cheap and, um, it's just so nutrient dense. You know, I have a couple ounces of liver usually, mm -hmm. usually several times a week. I personally eat it, uh, frozen and raw. I mean, I've tried cooking it. 
Mm-hmm. If people, I've had people tell me like, oh, I love it. I cook it. I'm like, man, if you, if you do great, <laughs> you do you. I, uh, for me, it becomes like a texture thing. Like I just, I don't like it. Um, so, but I would always tell somebody if you choose to eat, uh, anything raw, like you really need to make sure it's from a good source. Like I would never just go to the grocery store and, you know, Walmart or something and buy raw organs, but this is from a farmer that, you know, says is butchering himself and it's immediately, immediately frozen. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely liver. I mean, that's, that's a nutrition power powerhouse for sure. Um, are you concerned at all about vitamin A toxicity? Is that something that you, that you worry about at all? I'm not, you know, it's actually, that was one of the questions on the RD exam that, um, which one of these will cause vitamin A toxicity, a polar bear liver. will. apparently if you ever eat a polar bear liver, it has so much vitamin Mm -hmm. A that would kill you, kill you immediately. Um, I do not know. And this is, once again, I'm always open to, you know, people I'm open to being wrong. (laughs) It's one of my, I would say it's one of my, one of my strengths. Is it a good idea to eat a pound or several pounds of liver every day? I don't know. I have no idea. I personally don't. Um, but I've never wanted to, either. (laughs) I've never woken up and, you know, been like, Oh, you know, let's do that. But I also know that 45% of our population cannot convert um, the carotenes that are in plants to an actual usable form of vitamin A, right? So 45% of the mm-hmm. population could eat carrots and sweet potatoes and all day and never absorb any vitamin A. So I think, mm. you know, getting, getting several ounces of liver uh, a week sound, is a good idea. And, you know, if you certainly too, if you're someone that has any skin issues, whether acne um, I think, I mean, liver can change your life for sure. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. So as a dietitian, how do you make sense of this crazy food compass scale? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just, you know, we just made a video making fun of the food compass scale. Um, I like to say my, my seven-year-old nieces. Did you, did you ate that sugar or that? that- <laughs> rice syrup concoction. Yeah. I had to do it a couple like? times because my, my wife messed up on the, we're going to release a blooper reel, but I was like, Oh, I got to do this again. Um, man, it felt like someone like punched you in the face with sugar. You know, we've done videos before where I've taken like a sip of Pepsi. Um, and it's, it's gnarly to me just because my, my diet now is so, uh, low in any type of sugar. Like I said, you know, like it's berries, um, here, here, there, but it was just like, whoa, it was amazing. It was almost like your, your taste buds are on mm-hmm. fire. I can't imagine doing that um, all the time, you know? And like, I'm not, people are like, oh, you ate that. I was poisoned. Like I'm metabolically healthy. I'm not worried about having a few spoonfuls of, you know, frosted mini weeds, but um, right. yeah, it was, <laughs> it was gross. It was not something that I was like, man, I want to keep doing this. Like as soon as that, as soon as we finished doing the, the take, you know, that went in the garbage for sure. But I mean, the food compass scale is, it's just like the Mm -hmm. nutrition guidelines. Like they are, it's all based on corporate profit, you know, unfortunately there's so much money in processed food and pharmaceuticals. And I think most people know that on kind of like a base level, but the depth of corruption is, would probably blow most people's minds. Like it's really, really bad. Like we have the science, we know it's bad, but you know, we can't, we can't, we can't. Heal, heal you or kill you. Because if I heal you, 
like if you no longer have type two diabetes, then you don't need elective surgery. So I lose that money. You don't need the medication. So I lose that money. You don't need the insulin. So I lose that money. You don't need to see the dietitian. So I lose that money. If I kill you the same thing. So I have to keep you perpetually sick. I literally have to keep you sick, you know, Mm -hmm. in order to make money. It's awful. And so the food scale though, is like, that's like a new level of awful. Cause I feel like even very, very basic intelligence, people know that's wrong, but that's not my concern because like, like I said, I showed it to my mm-hmm. seven-year-old niece and she knows that's dumb, but those things drive policy. And why is that a problem? Because mm. policy impacts what we are allowed to feed in our hospitals, to our children and our schools, to our inmates and in our jails to people in psychiatric care that cannot advocate for themselves. So while you and I can clearly be like, well, that's stupid, nobody would follow that. It matters because it's, it's that bigger scale. Those are the things that are funneling into what we feed, you know, a lot of people, what we feed meals on wheels to our seniors. So mm-hmm. I get very angry and fired yeah. up about it. It's, <laughs> you know, and, and it's the fact that we can reverse these chronic diseases in such a short period of time. I mean, Dr. Westman has shown that we can get people off as much as 150 units of insulin in eight days. I mean, I had patients that were diabetic for 30 years. We can completely reverse your diabetes in some cases within two months, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. just, I'm hopeful because of people like you and, you know, people that are advocating, I do not believe we're going to see it from the top. It's not like the government's going to be like, well, this nutrition guidelines are bullshit, you know, because there's just too much money in it. Um, You know, it was Nina Teichel who told me that every single member of Congress in the U.S., every single one, is sponsored by at least one pharmaceutical. Like, we literally have ketogenic members in Congress. They follow keto diets, but they will never speak Mm. out against the nutrition guidelines because they are getting, you know, and not, this isn't just like, oh, they gave me $1,000. This is hundreds of thousands of, like, this is a lot of money. So what we have to do, you know, it's, it's, um, it can be discouraging to be like, well, why does it matter, you know? But it does. Because like, as my coach in high school used to say, like, you got to win the race you're in, you know, if you're trying to get first, go first. If you're in a hundred, you know, trying to get a hundredth place, go a hundredth place. We can win this race that we are in. Like I said, by sharing our story, by advocating, because I guarantee you that Sarah Kleiner and the Dave Fox, when I reached out to them and said like, Hey, can you just answer some questions? I need some help. They probably did not know that I was going to take that and go on. And it was literally going to change my life. Like they saved my life. And so you and I, as we share our story, we might change somebody's lives and save their lives. And it's that ripple effect, right? So that's why I believe I'm hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I, cause when I see these things, I'm like, Oh, that's so dangerous. Cause you know, I feel like there are going to be some people who are swayed by these things. But I do believe that in the in the end, good will prevail. You know, even even with all this craziness going around. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's I I guess the reason why I feel like it's so dangerous because I I see myself as a moderately intelligent person, and I remember before I found carnivore, I would notice that when I had less sugar, my blood pressure was not as high. Like I would do these no sugar for 20 days things. And I would, I would notice my blood sugar wasn't as high. I didn't correlate it at the time for whatever reason as, oh, obviously sugar is really bad for blood pressure. Instead, I was like, okay, well, what research can I find that sugar is bad 
for um, blood pressure. And I couldn't find anything on the web. Everything was always like, well, as long as calories are accounted for, sugar is perfectly fine. You know, and that kept me stuck for a while um, eating sugar because I liked it and I was addicted to it. And there was nothing to say, well, <laughs> absolutely, sugar is the reason why your blood pressure is high. No, you made a good point. You know, the, um, I'm doing a talk next month at low carb USA and it's going to be about the nutrition guidelines, but the title of my presentation is common sense and courage, because what we have been taught, um, has really for many people, myself included has really allowed us to override our own, not our own research, our own common sense, you know, like we, as a, mm. as a world, I was actually before speaking with you, I was talking to two gentlemen from Poland. We basically have convinced the entire world that it is better to eat frosted mini weeks or frosted flakes for breakfast than it is to have a steak and eggs. Like it is better to have this sugary orange juice than it is to have like water. <laughs> we have, we, you know, like you said, I noticed I, I do better without sugar. Like I, I intuitively knew my anxiety was much better when I didn't eat as many carbs but I was so sure that I had to have them because it was told to me over and over and over again. And then everywhere you go, there's sugar. You can't go anywhere, you know, and it's only gotten worse. <clears throat> like, you know, I literally went, um, I had a day, I went to Home Depot and there's Snickers bars at the checkout. You know, I, I had to take my dog to the vet. They now have like a push button mocha machine. <laughs> I'm like, it's everywhere you go. And so yes, it's really unfortunate. The most ridiculous thing, um, we were putting together a new desk and in the instructions on the first page, it's like, you're going to need a screwdriver and maybe some snacks and a picture of a big pretzel, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, and if you watch human behavior, people have completely stopped questioning whether what, it, whether what they are getting fed is okay. And what I mean by that, go to a restaurant. And if you sit down, as soon as the bread's put out, everybody's grabbing, get on an airplane. People don't look at the ingredients. It could, whatever's being handed out, people will eat it. People have stopped associating what I put in my mouth matters, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think, and in part of that, it's just because we've given them such terrible advice. If they've tried to lose weight, it probably hasn't worked. You know, I, I'm definitely not blaming the patient. And we've also created these ultra processed foods that can override our own brain chemistry. But yeah, my message to people would certainly just be like, you can literally change your life by, you know, having a low carbohydrate diet, focusing it, you know, I'm a big advocate for animal-based eating, focusing it on meats, saturated fats, and then small amounts of carbohydrates to tolerance. Like that, that can change your life in a very short period of time. But most dietitians, most doctors, all of society, not all, but most of society will tell you that that's nuts you know, and we don't do that with any other condition, you know, and a lot of people don't even believe like in addiction, people don't believe you could actually literally be addicted to sugar or carbohydrates. And that I've seen it over and over in the hospital setting, you know, nobody wants to be massively obese, you know? Um, so it's just really unfortunate. I think we have to, ideally as doctors and dietitians, we would change our thinking. You know, we would say this isn't working. This hasn't worked in 20 plus years. It is time to do something different. It is time to look at the evidence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So what about some, we know the 
the benefits of a lower carbohydrate diet, carnivore diet, um, you know, typical ones improving metabolic health. Um, what are some unexpected benefits you gained from changing your way of eating? Uh, I I mean, the number one was anxiety. Like I, if you had told me, I wish when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, like if somebody had said like, this is really going to change how your brain functions. And, you know, I became just such a powerful advocate for mental health. Like I, I think we are going to see in the next 10 years, um, at least it's my hope, but we actually have clinical trials underway right now on mental health and keto. So I think we're going to finally start seeing, seeing that. So that was a big one, which is the reduction in fight, improve sleep. Like, you know, I used to toss and turn a lot and wake up in the middle of the night and I can just sleep through the night, which is really nice. Um, recovery from running. That was huge. I mean, I would do a workout or a really long run and just be wrecked, you know, for the rest of the day. And now, you know, I'm able to, to train. Like I, I, I can completely convinced I could not train for ultra marathons on a high carb diet. Like I can go and run probably the most I've done now is uh, 28 miles one day and came back the next day and did 20, like run over a marathon and been able to do almost, you know, so that that's been really amazing. And just, I would say an overall improved relationship with food, you know, I'm not hungry every two hours. I'm able to eat, enjoy my food and move on. I'm actually able to feel kind of like almost like appreciative and connected to it. You know, there's a, this goofy dogma or this, I don't dogma is not the right word that you can't love animals and eat them. But I mean, I, yeah, I have a deep mm-hmm. respect for, you know, animals like literally giving its life for me and I'm going to be eating a lot of it. You know, I, we eat now, um, <laughs> all kinds of things, you know, we had kidney, we've had tongue, cow tongue, had all kinds of this. So yeah, it's improved my life a lot. And I've also been able to, um, embrace it. You know, I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm not, if we go out with some friends, uh, their <laughs> group of friends was like, did you literally bring butter to a restaurant? I'm like, yes, I brought a whole stick of butter, like back off. Like I'm just embracing it. Like, I, I do it care. too. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay to be weird. Like I have, I mean, I've been weird my whole life. So maybe that's whatever, but I also, um, I just, I'm so grateful. And like, when you just feel good, you know, it doesn't, I'm just not overly worried about what anybody else thinks. Like I am very driven and determined with my running goals, with my advocacy goals. So it's like, yeah, if I got to be a little weird, yeah, so be it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, eating this way has made me completely not care about what anybody else thinks. Cause I'm like, look, I'm actually so much healthy now. There's nothing to argue about. There's, you know, yeah. I am doing so much better. Well, and I think, you know, people, it, it's very strange. Sometimes when you start doing better, it actually kind of makes people look at themselves and like, you know, it, it can be uncomfortable for others around you. You know, there's that mm-hmm. saying that like misery loves company. And so it's, it's, right. it's very strange that sometimes even people who really care about you might try to bring you down and it's not like they're even trying, they might even be subconsciously, you know? So I always tell people to just, it, just be very strong in your resolve, you know? And if people give me a hard time, or even ask about it, I usually just have two talking points, you know, I'll say, Hey, you know, as an athlete, this has worked really well for me. And man, you won't believe how much better my anxiety is. Cause a lot of people can't relate to ultra running. Mm-hmm. They're like, most humans are stressed and anxious. So it's like, Oh, wow. Really? Your anxiety is better. Right. Interesting. Um, and most people, you know, 
would want to eat the steak and eat all those good foods. So <laughs> I think, you know, it, and I always say too, it's, you know, it's not my job to change anybody, convince anybody. And unfortunately, you know, everybody has their own path and own journey. You know, it's hard to see our friends, family, people we care about struggle, suffer, still drink sugary soda. But, you know, I think mm-hmm. you don't want to be like crazy and preachy. Like nobody likes those people, but I think just like living by example, and then if whenever somebody's ready, if they ask you, just like, all right, tell me what you're doing. I feel like shit. Then you can kind of come in and talk to them. So mm-hmm. that's always how I look <laughs> at that situation. Yes. Well, Michelle, this has been such a lovely conversation. I'm so privileged to have you on the show today. Um, I have one more question for you. What is a piece of advice you would give to someone just starting out on a carnivore journey or something you wish you knew when you just got started. <laughs> First thing that like immediately came to my mind was electrolytes. Ah, just okay. Bad, like such a bad headache. No. Um, I mean, yes, that is, that is one thing I would say is definitely make sure you're taking electrolytes just because you know, what happens when you go very low carb, especially if you've been very high carb is your body is just released. Your insulin is going to be lower, um, which ultimately is a really good thing but then you're going to be fleshing out a lot of electrolytes. A lot of people notice they have to pee a lot when they first start like a lower carb diet. Um, So yes, that is, but Mm -hmm. also I would say like get really sold, you know, unfortunately we live in a society where I use the term when I talk with clients um, that people want to game the system. And what I mean about that is, as opposed to like trusting the process, we are constantly trying to fix it, change it to make it feel better for us. So, you know, when I decided to go carnivore, I was going to go carnivore. I wasn't going to go carnivore until noon and then have cake, you know? So being really Mm -hmm. set on like, I want to do this and have your reason, you know, not because my mom's pressuring me or, you know, I need to fit into that bikini, but like something that really deeply resonates for you. Because like I said, in the beginning of this, like I was, I was not a nice person. I was in pain. So I was like, I want to be better. Like I'm going to try this. And so I was so sold on it that I was not gaming it. I was not going to say like, okay, well, I'm just going to have this salad at night. You know, it's like, I'm going to really do this. So and really do it for 30 days. You have nothing to lose. You know, you have absolutely nothing to lose. And of course, you know, I should probably disclaim certainly if you're on any blood sugar lowering medications or whatever, you should check with your doctor. But like, really get sold, do it for 30 days, take electrolytes, <laughs> and just watch your life change. Like, I almost, it kind of felt exciting to me. Like, oh my God, like 30 days, like I could, things could be better. And they were, they were so much better. And they are, they keep getting better. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I can agree with that. It just, it just keeps getting better. Like as soon as I'm like, yeah, this is really nice. And it's like, oh, it's a little bit better, even still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, and you know, you, you grow, you learn, you change, like you, you know, life, life might adapt. Like, obviously, you know, I different as like a, as a runner, but the foundation for me, I believe will always be the same. Like I, I can't imagine ever going back to how I ate just because my physical and mental health is just so much better. Absolutely. Well, Michelle, thank you so, so much for meeting me with me today. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me on. And I hope you enjoy the book. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I eat books like this up. Like I (laughs) absolutely devour them. So yes, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I've got, I think I've got about 20 pages left. It's, it's awesome. Good. Thank you. All right. Well, 
Have a great rest of your day and stay meaty. <laughs> run a, run you a mile too. for me. <laughs> I will. I will. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. That's it for today. Until next time, stay meaty, stay strong, stay inspired. Do you have a carnivore story to tell? Connect with me on Instagram at meat, M-E-A-T, Mrs. M-R-S, Grubs, G-R-U-B-S. Or you can email me at carnivorestories at gmail.com. I would love to interview you and the world needs to know that meat heals.